Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 118. We were in the vicinity of this last week, and uh, we'll go back to this uh, today. Psalm number 118 is where we're going to be. The subject I'm going to talk to you about today was described by the following. Sometimes it flies, and sometimes it crawls. But it always passes inexorably. We mark it, we save it, we waste it, we bite it, we race against it, we measure it uh, incessantly with a passion for precision that borders on the obsessive. We're obsessed with it. We never seem to have enough of it, yet scientists don't even know how to explain it. And when St. Augustine was asked to describe it, he said, If no one asks me, I know what it is. But if any person should require me to tell him, I could not do it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about nothing other than time. Time. We all have a value of time. We value it as though some of us have more of it than others. But we all have the same. We all start each day with a bank account full of 24 hours. And it's how we each spend it that determines whether or not we manage it well. We all have time. But it seems as though, uh, like I said, some of us have more of it than others. And time's a, and it, a time is a... Uh, 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 a precious, like, like I said a moment ago, a precious commodity. And if we manage it well, we're blessed. If we don't, we seem to always be racing about as if we have none of it. Well, time really was not something that was measured with the same type of precision as it is today. Uh, a few years back. In fact, in 1790, uh, there were very few clocks that were in the homes of people. Uh, Only about 10% of the American public had any type of clock at all in 1790. Can you imagine that? I mean, we've come to an age in which uh, this thing here is almost a relic because of the fact that uh, it's, it's not as precise as this thing here. Everybody carries this around, and as much as it is a telephone, many people use it for a host of other things, uh, chief amongst which is a clock. So much so that they came out with another doohickey that was uh, a, uh, uh, a, uh, a band for your wrist that was meant to uh, replace this uh, with some a few upgrades about how you can uh, 
keep track of your heartbeat and all that kind of thing. But it, it's, it, it, I saw a commercial the other day and, and it was kind of silly. It, it said, this is a watch. It, it, takes, it keeps time in addition to all the... And I think what it was is it was trying to, to emphasize the fact that it does so much more. You can check your uh, 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 emails on it. You can look at pictures on it. Who would have thought that after... Uh, Decades of trying to get bigger and bigger in this to be able to look at pictures and watch movies that people would then spend $500 or more to be able to look at them on a, on a screen a third of the size on their wrist instead of just picking up. I think what it is is this all of a sudden has gotten too heavy for some people. It's, it's too difficult to pick up. So they, so they go to the one that's linked to their wrist instead. Uh, but it, we do keep time. Uh, uh, most people in 1790, if they had uh, a clock at all, it was a grandfather clock. And I remember being a young child and, and seeing in my grandparents' house uh, the smaller version uh, that they some people called a grandmother's clock. It sat on a mantle instead of uh, standing in the corner. But I can still remember in my grandparents' in my other grandparents' house, they had a grand uh, grandfather clock that stood in the corner and and had the swinging pendulum and and it would bong on the hour and it would uh, it would resonate throughout the whole house and and if anyone had a clock it was a grand thing not something they carried around on their wrist. It wasn't until the end of the 19th century that, that people started to have a clock that they were able to carry around, and it was like Brother uh, Nick's pocket watch that they carried within their vest, and it was seen as much a part of their uh, accoutrements of what they wore as, as it was a, uh, fa- and a fashionable thing as it was a practical thing of being able to tell what time it was. And, uh, for many, it was made necessary by the fact that uh, trains had to have a schedule. And trains had to be able to, to go back and forth between times. And people needed to know when the train was going to be there. And so uh, they, they devised a train schedule and that necessitated the fact that people needed to know when the t- were on the schedule they were. And so they began to, to keep time with watches and clocks and things like that. Most of the time people would say, well, I'll see you at sunup, like the old, at the old OK Corral uh, where they would fight it out. They would meet at sunrise or, or sunset or whatever. It was the relative position of the sun rather than a particular time. Uh, nowadays, with uh, with phones and that are also GPSs and maps and and uh, all kinds of other things, it requires that we have very precise measurement of time. And in Washington D.C. at the Naval Observatory, there is uh, there are 28 atomic clocks, four of which use uh, hydrogen and the other uh, use cesium. And they uh, are uh, activated by uh, uh, radiation hitting those atoms and they go back in a certain rhythm and they uh, computate the uh, means time between all of those that are supposed to be in sync to the, to the, the uh, t- tenth of a, of a moment 
they synchronize all of those within a computer and then shoot that information uh, across the, uh, uh, the ocean to Geneva in which uh, there is a world clock and it collects all the data from all of the different nations uh, in terms of, of their computations as to what the time is and uh, it gives a Greenwich means time and that is supposed to be the time of the world. Well, time is important and essential for whether or not uh, a treaty will go into effect at a certain time and place. It can mean the difference between life and death for certain individuals. Time is an important and essential thing in terms of, of so many other things. And we forget to realize that time is important and significant to God. He is the creator of all things, and including uh, the understanding and our uh, concept of time. But God lives outside of time. God lives beyond time. But He uh, He thinks time is so important that, uh, and we're so uh, important to God that He would enter into time in order to provide a Savior for us. Uh, but well before He sent Jesus Christ uh, to live on this earth, to uh, enter into time and to leave uh, all of, of glory and, and the splendor of heaven uh, to be there for us, He inspired the heart. And, and, and I'm going to just say that I believe that this is uh, something that was written of David. I, I can just see David uh, sitting in a cave uh, later in his life, uh, before he became king, uh, while he was fighting uh, for the armies of Saul. And I can just imagine him uh, sitting as he is uh, fleeing for his life uh, and or as a part of some battle that, that, was, uh, uh, that he was a part of. Uh, God gave him great victory, but He also gave him wisdom to to, uh, to uh, retreat and to uh, to know when to fight and when to uh, save it for another day. And I can imagine David writing these words uh, as a result of his uh, thoughts about time and his thoughts about what God was doing in his life. And our focus today is found in verse 24. And I'm going to uh, ask that you... Uh, focus on that verse and we'll highlight that verse but I, I always as you know uh, feel as though it's important us, for us to understand the context for which we find verse 24 uh, so many people will take uh, verses out of context and they'll take verses out of the place in which the, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the author to write it and make it say something that it doesn't say but I feel like it's important for us to understand the, the significance of why that verse is written where it's written, who it's written to and things like that and so I want to read through some of the verses before verse 24 just to give you a context of it. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, verse 1, for He is good his, because His mercy endures forever. And lest you wonder why I began all the way at verse 1, uh, the concept of time begins from the very beginning of this chapter. His mercy is what is the focus of this chapter in Psalms. God, uh, thankfulness to God for His goodness. Give thanks to God for His 
uh, because His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say that His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endures forever. Do you think there's a common theme that, that the authors try to tell us? That God's mercy has no bounds by the time of this world. That God's mercy endures forever. I called upon the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me, and He sent me in a large place. Now, why would, why would the author shift from talking about God's mercy to distress? Well, it's in times of distress that we call out to God. And we need to remember that His mercy endures forever. Because the writer here seems to, to feel as though <coughs> his distress is, is very much upon him. He says, I called upon the Lord uh, in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. And the Lord is on my side, and I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me, and therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And so he's saying, look, in your times of distress, in your times of great difficulty, in your times of, of enduring such hardship, you need to remember that God's on your side, that God is there for you. And if you call out to God, God will fight your battles. God will help you through, even in your days in which it seems as though the day is going forever because why you're in distress. And he says you need to remember... But God's mercy endures forever, even when you're in distress, even when your enemy is all about you. He expounds on this. He says, It is better for me to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man, and it is better to trust in the Lord that, uh, than to, to have confidence in princes, and all nations come past about... He, see, why does he say this about princes? Because it was a, uh, it was a thing that, that people did when, when somebody came up against your nation, and if you didn't have... An, you knew how big your army was, and you knew how big their army was. If your army was smaller than their army, I mean, what did you do? You turned to a prince, a king from a neighboring country and said, hey, how about lending me your army and let me fight these people by joining forces with me. I'll pay you so much in money and if your army will come and, and fight with me against a, a common enemy. And so that they would, uh, he says, God is more faithful even than princes. Don't place your trust in those who are around about you. He says in verse 10, It seems as though all the nations are around about me. They've got me hemmed in. He says, They compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compass me about, yea, they compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. And they compass about me like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. He says, I'm going to place my trust in God and depend upon Him. So you get the idea that, that he's speaking about time and he's speaking about trusting in the Lord and God's mercy enduring forever. 
So he's talking about all these things related to, to time and related to the fact that, that in spite of the fact that every, every, he seems to be surrounded by the enemy and he's going to place his trust in God. Why? Because his mercy endures forever. The mercy of the Lord. The mercy of the Lord that, that I can trust in greater than uh, trusting in men. That I can trust in God uh, greater than, than any alliance that I can have by seeking out help from those who are around about me. In spite of the fact that everything seems to be coming against me, he says, I'm going to trust in God. Why? Because His mercy endures forever. And so God, He's relying upon God even though it seems as though everyone is about to get Him. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord has helped me. And the Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacle of the righteousness and the right hand of the Lord doth valiantly he says, look, God's there for me. God is there to protect me. God is, is there and I'm going to exalt God because He is there to help me. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doth valiantly and I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has hastened me sore, but He hath not given me over unto death. Open uh, to me the gates of the righteousness of righteousness and I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. And I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. So he's, he's been surrounded by the enemy. He's in distress. He's, he feels as though they're all about him like a uh, uh, Brother Fred was was out here getting uh, the 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 church ready this morning, and he he went and uh, uh, saw that there saw that there were some uh, some be, uh, some hornets over there, and and he was getting ready to spray them, and and he set down the can, and they came out and attacked him, and and they swarmed about him. Uh, the writer here says that that his enemies were about him, swarming about him. He didn't have a 10-foot pole spray to spray at him. He had the Lord to pray, uh, pray unto, and he says, God, I know you're going to deliver me. God, I know that you're the one that's going to uh, give me uh, the, the peace that comes with, with trusting in you. I'm going to walk through the gates of righteousness because I'm going to follow after you. I'm not going to follow after man. I'm not going to worry about what the world has to say about the situation I'm in. The world would say, hey, give up. The world says, hey, give in. The world says, you're done for. But he says, I'm not going to trust in them because your mercy endures forever. I'm going to trust in you because you are the one who's going to give me victory. And he says, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and thou art become my salvation. The stone which the builder refuses has become the headstone or the cornerstone. The headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. So you get the idea of the fact that he's trusting in God. He's relying upon God. He's, uh, he's going to depend upon God because God's mercy endures forever. And we come to the verse that we are going to focus in. Verse 24. 
and we and you know this verse very well. You didn't realize you did it. It says, This is the day which the Lord hath made, and we will be glad and rejoice in it. We say that verse from time to time in church because we're excited about being here. We say that because we've come together to worship God. But realize the reason He's saying this is because God is His deliverer. That God is the one who has displayed His mercy upon him. And in spite of the fact that everyone is all around him and he feels as though he's about to be defeated, he reminds himself that God's mercy endures forever in spite of what the world says, in spite of all the odds against him. He reminds himself that God is the one that's fighting his battles. It's God that's directing his life. It's God that's helping him through the situation. And he has to remind himself to praise God because of the fact that God is there for him, that God is giving him his mercy, that God's helping to endure. You might be going through a problem in your life. You might be going through such difficulty and struggles that you're just ready to give up. But the writer here says, I'm going to instead remember that this is the day that the Lord has made. So I want you to understand that that this day is a day that God has created for you. And help you to remember that the things that are happening in this world are orchestrated by God. You might say, well, the worst things in the world are happening. God ordained this day for you. He put you in time at this time Not some other time. He put you in the world at this time and placed you, if you're faithful to trust in Him and to follow after Him and you've gone through the gates of righteousness, that God is there with you. And so you need to understand that this is God's day. This is the day that God has made. And so you need to rejoice in it. Rejoice at the fact that you're alive. Rejoice in the fact that God has allowed you to have this day. Kind of changes the concept of wasting time, doesn't it? This is God's day. Why would you waste it? This is God's day. Why wouldn't you make the most of it? This is God's day. Why would you do something selfish for just yourself? This is God's day. Why would you do something that is contrary to what God desires for you. See, you can mess up the day that God created. God created it to be a special day, a day in which He would live in. But you see, we have the free will, the choice to to live according to what God desires for us to do or we can live in such a way that is displeasing to God. And so, God wants us to live in it the way He would have us to live. To enter into the gates of righteousness and live according to God's desire for us. So that He might be able to pour out His mercy upon us and deliver us when it seems as though the world is all against us. But you see, we can mess up 
what God has done for us and, and the way in which God would have us to. I can go out here. God made this day for, for a reason in my life and I can go out here and I can mess it up by uh, uh, knocking off the local uh, uh, convenience store and, and robbing it and wind up in jail. Do you think God's going to find victory and, and God's going to find uh, glory in that? No, because I've yielded to sin. I've yielded to temptation. I've done something that's displeasing to Him. And I'm not living according to the pathway of righteousness. And so God's not glorified in it and God can't be uh, uh, praised for this day. But if we live according to God's desire for our life, if we walk in the pathway of righteousness, if we enter into the gates of, uh, of, of God's desire for our life, His righteousness then we can say this is the day that the Lord has made. And when we do, we can rejoice and be glad because God is living in us. Because God is, is directing our pathway. God gives us the victory over the, the adversity that's going through our life. God gives us uh, the victory over those that has come against us. Because they come against God. Why? Because we're living and walking in the pathway of righteousness. And God's ordering our steps. And God's directing our pathways. And we can have the, the assurance that, that God's mercy endures forever and will deliver us from that situation because we're living and walking in His way. But when we're walking and living in Carl's way or your way or, or somebody else's way, guess what? We're not living in the pathway of righteousness. We're living in the pathway of man, in the pathway of sin, in the pathway of, of what we think is good and right. And so it's important for us to remember, as, as important as it is to remember that God's mercy endures forever, that when we get off of the pathway of righteousness, that God's willing to... to, to uh, look, God opens His arms open wide. It wasn't just Jesus on the cross of Calvary holding His arms open wide so they could nail His hands to the cross, and they very well did, but it was symbolic of God opening His arms wide so that you could go running into His arms. I can remember being a little child, and, and I can remember uh, seeing my daddy... Uh, come home from work and I can remember him uh, being safely sitting down because if I, if, I, if I saw him and I came running and, and I gave him a big old hug, uh, my daddy would have his arms open wide and if I did that, I would knock him over because I was so excited. But he'd get safely sitting, sitting down and, and he'd put those arms out wide and it seemed like those arms would go on forever because I was such a little thing. Yes, I was. Let me tell you, I, believe it or not, I was a little thing at one time. But he would put out those arms wide and it seemed like they would go on forever. And it seemed as though I, I, I could just get in a general direction and they, he would wrap those big arms around me. And that's exactly what God desires to do for you. If you just simply turn back to Him, remember, His mercy endures forever. His arms are open wide, ready to pour out His mercy and His love to you. All you have to do is turn back to Him. 
take the first step and His arms will be there, wide open, ready to embrace you and to give you that big old hug that He desires to give you, that, to express that love that's, that's sweeter than any joy that can come from a physical hug that we, that we have from a mother or father. God's arms are open wide. And He's ready to put you back on the right pathway allow you to enter into the gates of righteousness where He defends you against every enemy, where He supports you through all struggles, where He enables you to battle all of the foes that come against you because He is there. You don't have to turn to, to men or, or to principalities or, or to any other authority. But turn to Him because... His mercy. His mercy endures forever and He will wrap His arms around you and love you and and set you on the right pathway so that you might rejoice in the day of the Lord. That you might be glad in the fact that you have His love pouring out upon your life. So He says, Save now, I beseech thee. O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. And God is the Lord which hath shown us light, bind in the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. He says, I'm going to praise God with everything that is in me. That's what he's talking about, binding the the sacrifice to the altar. He says, "I, I want to express my love to God so greatly that I will place on the altar a choice bull. I will place upon the altar a great sacrifice so that I might express my love back to God. Why? Because He has shown so, such great love to me. His mercy has flown down upon my life and has filled me so much. And God's desire is, is that this day would be a special day in your life because you've turned back to Him. And you're able to rejoice and be glad in it. And you're able to say with the psalmist that other verse that you know so well from this chapter. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Forever is a long time. In 1790, the farmer plowing the field from sunup to sundown A lot of times thought it was forever before the sun would go down so it could go in and eat some vittles and cool off. But he found out it wasn't that long. It was just another day. When we invented clocks and understood time, it it expanded our understanding and knowledge of time even more. and It just helps us to realize even greater forever. Is an awful long time. And why should we learn to manage our time better so we can understand the significance of 
how long God's mercy endures so we can understand better how much God's love is for us, but more importantly, so we can grow closer to God, using our time effectively and effectually for the study of God's Word so that we can walk through the gates of righteousness, so we can follow God in righteousness, so God's blessings will be upon us, and so God's love and mercy can pour down upon us. God doesn't require that we're perfect before He sheds His mercy upon us. He just simply requires that we turn to Him. Turn to Him. You have a problem in your life. You're going through struggles in your life. You're going through turmoil in your life. Turn to Him. Turn to God. You'll understand the significance of time when you understand that God's mercy endures forever. God's love, God's patience, God's forgiveness, God's graciousness, God's mercy will flow down upon you. You're not too late. God's mercy will flow into your heart and life. It's important that we make the most of each day to live for Him, to exalt Him, to walk in the pathways of righteousness. I'm not here to give you some type of, of time scheme in terms of how to make the most of your time. The more, most important thing that we need to do is to follow Christ, to let every day be the day of the Lord, to understand that every day is a gift of God. Every day was created by God for you to serve Him, to walk in the pathways of righteousness, to enter into the gates of righteousness so that God might pour out His mercy upon you. So when you waste time, when you frivolously use your time, you're wasting a gift of God. You're wasting His mercy being poured out upon you. So it's my prayer and my desire, it's my hope that you'll Place your trust in Him. Simply turn to Him. He's got His arms stretched out wide. Don't waste another moment. Don't waste another day. Turn to Him. Turn to Jesus Christ. Allow Him to wrap His arms of love around you. Allow Him to help you to walk in the right pathways. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I just praise You so much for the fact that Your mercy is so wonderful. It endures forever. Your mercy encompasses every aspect of our life. And You protect us and overwhelm our enemies. You, you guard us when we're willing to walk in Your pathways. And so each day is so significant. Each moment is, is so important. Each moment of our day is so precious because this is day that You have made for us. Lord, help us to make the most of it. Help us to spend each moment in Your arms of love. Lord, guide us. Lord, if there's someone here today 
that needs your love. Help them to turn to you. To return into your embrace. And to realize that wonderful mercy that endures forever. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. 